Hey everybody, we're back after a, a brief hiatus. I had uh, COVID, then we both had finals, Christmas break, and so it's, it's been a wild time, but we're back and we're ready to talk about the NFL with some of the best fans, in my opinion, on Colin. Yeah, that's right, you guys, you're the best fans, just own it, you know it. Alright, so today's show, we'll be talking about the worst carousel ever, as you probably saw from the title, which is the... NFL coaching carousel. It's an absolute bummer. You do not want to be on this carousel. And we've got some people who definitely have been on this carousel in the past week. But first, I want to kind of start with something fun. So we already, Tony and I have already done our playoff coverage. We did that on YouTube or Twitch, whichever is your preferred method of, of watching us on NFL kickoff. So we've already done that. We wanted to talk about the coaching carousel because it's kind of something that gets almost not swept under the rug, but it it is not paid the attention it deserves because of its, you know, its positioning. Black Monday, as it is referred to, uh, you know, occurs on the Monday going into the playoffs. So we don't really get to talk about it. And Tony and I want to focus on that because it is something that's very important to talk about because it is going to help dictate the future of these franchises. Franchises like the Minnesota Vikings, who are quietly a very good team in my estimation, or the Denver Broncos, who are really a quarterback away from being an incredibly competitive team. Um... So before we dive into that, I would rather talk about the awards, though. So, Tony, uh, we on NFL Kickoff did a show. Do you remember what the the award show we did was called? It was the Two-Ninths Award Show. Yeah, that's right. So normally I like to do the, the quarter-season awards show. I would uh, – well, not normally, but, but before I had written a column called the Quarter-Season Awards – and I like doing that because it's it's an interesting way to kind of look at my predictions as to who's going to get the awards and who's living up to those predictions. Um, but, of course, the NFL season expanded, so it made more sense to call it the two nights um, as random as that is. So, Tony, do you remember who we had as the MVP for the two nights award show? Well, we actually had uh, a couple people. At this point, we had Kyler as our front runner, but we behind Kyler we had Dak. Uh, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and Matthew Stafford as well. Yeah, so looking at the actual realistic odds-on MVP favorite, now it's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Did that prediction hold water? Was it a good prediction? Uh, no, it was a terrible prediction because <laughs> Kyler Murray <laughs> got, well, in fairness, I don't want to say Kyler's bad. He got hurt. Uh, frankly, I mean, he was playing with injury, so it's the same reason why I don't judge Baker too harshly this season. He was playing... Uh, as his coach said, pretty much with handcuffs on in his left hand. So uh, same thing for Kyler. He was hurt. Dak kind of fell off. He had a little bit of a slump. Uh, Mahomes actually uh, got better towards the end. He just, you know, he didn't really post anything fantastic. He couldn't really keep up with Rodgers and Brady's performances. And uh, Stafford was just sloppy a lot of the time. He was just throwing away a lot of balls. I think he's tied with Trevor Lawrence for the most interceptions this season. Uh, so, you know, you obviously you can't win MVP if you're tied for the most turnovers uh, for a quarterback. That just can't happen. So I knew when we did this that uh, I couldn't put Rodgers at the time. Like, it just didn't make sense. They were coming off that Saints game. He'd had some good games after that, but it, it, was, it just looked like he was so far off the MVP. And, I mean, here we are now. I guess it would have been a great hot take for me to go in on. Oh, it would have been a fantastic hot take, and I would have laughed at you mercilessly for it. I would have been dead wrong. Um so it's definitely Rodgers, though. He was recently listed to the All-Pro team, which is a little bit different than the Pro Bowl team. Nobody's, he made All-Pro first team. I believe he won that vote. 
something to the effect of 41 to 19. So a very overwhelming victory for Rodgers. I would imagine that he will be the MVP. Now, as of right now, the odds on favorite to win offensive player of the year is actually Jonathan Taylor. I know Tony will probably have some thoughts about that. Um, but next is Cooper Cup. They actually, I guess that's not fair. The, the sports book I'm looking at right now, Odd Shark. Um, has them tied. So they are minus 110 each. And the Debo Samuel is plus 500, and Rodgers is plus 500, which I find incredibly interesting. Um, so, Tony, before we reveal our list and see how it held up, what do you think of the odds? Do you think Taylor really is on the same level as Cup to win? Or do you think, like I do, that the playoffs hurt Taylor's, well, the lack of playoffs, I should say, hurt Taylor's case? I don't think the lack of playoffs hurts Taylor's case, honestly. Um, I think it's not so much the lack of playoffs. It's more of his performance in the last game. Now, yes, the whole team was performing poorly. Carson Wentz performed awfully. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor also didn't really do all that much. So uh, I think that does knock him a little bit. Cooper Cup has obviously had a fantastic season. So if you were to ask me right now, like, okay, let's let's give you a vote. Let's say you have a vote on who you want to uh, go in and you know, get this award, who do you want to put in there? I don't know who I would because, like, both of them have had phenomenal seasons. I think both of them deserve it. Uh, As to who, though, like, if we just look at their stats, they both put up phenomenal numbers. So I think that, you know, like we have a quarterback bias in the league, of course, I think we also have a little bit more of a wide receiver bias over uh, running back bias just kind of by default. So I think Cooper Cup is going to end up getting it, but I could see both of them deserving it a whole lot. Interesting. So uh, who would you pick then? Are you picking Cup? I think I'm going to pick Taylor. If it were me, I think I'd pick Taylor, but I think those that are voting are going to pick Cup just because he's he's a wide receiver. He's been doing so many fantastic things. He's averaging almost 115 yards a game. He has almost 2,000 receiving yards. He has, let's see, how many touchdowns they have? He has 16 touchdowns on the year. The only reason that I think I would personally give it to Jonathan Taylor is because Jonathan Taylor does have 20 total touchdowns to his name, 18 rushing and two receiving. So I mm-hmm. think that that separates him a little bit. He's right there with yards, uh, total yards that he has for him, 2,171 yards from scrimmage. Uh, as opposed to, uh, let's see, total yards. Cooper Cup has 1,965. So, I mean, Jonathan Taylor does have about 200 more yards twenty or, and 20 touchdowns as compared to 16 total touchdowns. So I think that he's absolutely, both of them are absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to give it to Taylor. Okay, that's actually really interesting. So I want to throw the Zelo numbers at you. So Jonathan Taylor, as Zelo has him, is just a pure rusher, not factoring any reception numbers. He is a 184.6, which is incredibly high for running back. It actually ranks second in the NFL. He's only behind Derrick Henry. Uh, and then for Cup, he's actually the leading Zelo wide receiver. He currently sits at 133. The next closest would be Devontae Adams in second, who is a 107. So does that... Like, what do you think of that? Do you think that, that matters at all? How, I guess, the distance between Cup and the next closest pure wide receiver is? I mean, I think that that just shows that Cooper Cup has been the best wide receiver this year uh, in terms of numbers. Like, 
I guess who is the actual best wide receiver? There's so many different things to look at. It can be up for debate. Every year it is up for debate. Like Hopkins, I'm sure, would be in that conversation if he were healthy all year. Adams, of course, in that conversation. Coop this year in that uh, discussion. So I think that just because he has so much of a lead on Adams in the Zelo model shows that he is the best receiver this year, and I think that is totally fair. Uh, but I think that Jonathan Taylor... Like the the difference between running back to running back and receiver to receiver, that's kind of like comparing apples to oranges. So I just think who's the better offensive weapon? I think I'm going to take Taylor over Cup. Yeah, no, that's I definitely don't disagree. I think that you can definitely make a good case for Taylor. Um, so early on in the season, we had Cooper Cup as our number one offensive player of the year, then Debo Samuel, then Tyree Kill, and then Derrick Henry in fourth. So that's not a terribly aging list, honestly. I think Cooper Cup and both, you know, him and Debo Samuel are definitely two of the best wide receivers right now from a statistical perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And this was, of course, before uh, Jonathan Taylor actually started going off. Derrick Henry at this time was he had not been injured yet. Jonathan Taylor started off, I think, the first three weeks of the season. He was pretty bad. He didn't really do much of anything at all. So we honestly didn't even – we weren't even thinking about him at this point when we were making our list for anything. So the fact that he was able to come up so strong at the end uh, is really impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. So early on in the season, we had Javon Diggs, of course, because he had that insane interception streak. Uh, then TJ Watt, who is the current favorite to win it as of right now. And then Miles Garrett. So looking at current odds list, I'll just list off the first couple. TJ Watt is minus 400, Micah Parsons plus 350, Aaron Donald plus 800, and Miles Garrett plus 2,000. Tony, I, I feel like TJ Watt has to get it because of his outstanding performance. He is, by the Zelo model, the most valuable defensive player in the NFL, and it really isn't close. Who are you giving it to? Absolutely, TJ Watt. I don't think there's really any kind of a question. I know some people have been saying, well, okay, these records that are being broken or whatever, they don't really count because, you know, there's the extra game. So you can't really compare that to the older seasons where there was one less game they had. And that is kind of true. I still disagree with the overall take, but for TJ Watt specifically, it is uh kind of incorrect because he still missed time he missed i think two or three he only played 14 games yeah he only played 14 full games 15 15 games okay he only played 15 games so even if this were last year he'd still be you know one game back of how many he could have played this year of course he's two games back from what he could have played and he still i believe technically tied strahan if i remember correctly because that's the strip sack didn't actually count as a sack which is dumb I'm giving it to him uh, just for me. So I think I've absolutely got to give it to TJ Watt. Trevon Diggs 100% does not deserve it. He gives up so many yards, and that is such a knock on him. He's really a great ball hawk, but a pretty mediocre cover corner. Yeah, no, 11 interceptions, don't get me wrong, that is super impressive, but it's his grades otherwise are just not good enough. He has an insanely high um, amount of yards given up in coverage. I think his quarterback rating is probably pretty high, not looking at those interceptions. Um, so I'm curious about what you think of Aaron Donald, Tony, because obviously on Twitter, um, a lot of the more analytically driven people are saying that it should be Aaron Donald because of his, both his pressure rate combined with his double team win rate. Um, does that make sense to you? Or are you, you still going to give it to TJ Watt because of his outstanding performance in the, the statistics category? I'm going to give it to TJ Watt because I know that like there are certain advanced analytics that I do really enjoy uh, looking at. And I think that 
99% of analytics, whether simple or advanced, have their place somewhere or another, whether it be in debates or whatever it might be. But Mm -hmm. for right now, in all of the things that people are saying, like, yes, his double team win rate and all of his uh, win rates and stuff like that, I personally don't really care if you have a 100% win rate if you don't put up the sacks and the other, you know, more simple stats with it. Because at the end of the day, those are what matter to me. So personally, I'm going to give it to TJ Watt, even though Aaron Donald is, of course, a phenomenal player and will always be in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, TJ Watt by Zelo, he's a 109. I want you to guess what Micah Parsons is, who is second closest on the list, Tony. Micah Parsons. TJ Watt's 109, you said? Yes. I'm going to give Parsons a 94. 77. Wow. I thought I was being... Yeah, it's not even close. It's it's TJ Watt and then everybody else. It really is. It's just a testament to how how much of a phenomenal season he's had. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Parsons has been phenomenal. Oh, no, he truly was. I'm so happy I have Michael Parsons' rookie card. I'm... That is like yeah, my most valuable so possession right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm so happy I have that one. Did I spend like hundreds of dollars to acquire those cards? Yes, but you know what? It'll pay off. In the, I hope anyway. It'll All right, let's move on to rookie. <laughs> yeah, really, it'll move on. It'll like I need to get his signature on that card and wait for him to make it to the Hall of Fame because that guy's a walking Hall of Fame candidate right now. I think they're making his gold jacket and bust as we speak. Um, but let's move to rookie <laughs> of the year. So. Early on when we did our kickoff show, Jamar Chase was the only person we bothered to put down for Rookie of the Year. We said it was it's Jamar Chase and then it was everybody else. Um, since then, Mac yep. Jones has definitely come onto the scene. Uh, Jamar Chase is minus 250, um, and then Mac Jones is the next closest and really only person there uh, at plus 200. We said that it was pretty much impossible for Jamar Chase to lose. We're standing by that, correct, in, in that assessment that's impossible for Jamar Chase to lose? Yeah, he has to win this one, absolutely. He has... He had a phenomenal season. He had a little bit of a slump there in the middle, uh, but he ended on such a high note that even if it was up for debate at the end there, now it's not. I mean, he had a career game. I don't think, you know, I doubt he ever tops that game, although, you know, he's been phenomenal so far, so who knows? He's only in his first year, but that was amazing to see what he did at the end there, and I think it secured his rookie. No, absolutely. So the Zelo model actually ranks, ranks Chase as the fourth best wide receiver in the NFL, which is kind of crazy. Who are, who's ahead of him? To be Cup, Adams, and... Cup, Adams, and Jefferson. And Jefferson. So, okay, that makes sense. So That's a fair pretty, list. Pretty good company to be in, for sure. Um, absolutely. Mac Jones actually ranks um, somewhere about, I think, 14th in the actual quarterback listings. But he just hasn't had the standout season, right? He's had a season that has been respectable for a rookie, but has been buoyed, I think, by a a solid Patriots defense. Would you agree with that? I absolutely do agree with that. And I think that, uh, yes, he's been great for this rookie class. But let's just be honest. This rookie class has been terrible. Like Trevor Lawrence, he's been awful. Zach Wilson, he was terrible. He was also hurt a little bit, so I know that. Trey Lance, we haven't seen. Justin Fields, the game was slow, and then he got demolished, so he's been terrible. Yeah. I mean, we really haven't seen, but Davis Mills has probably been the best quarterback out of this draft so far. Yeah, Davis Mills has been really good, surprisingly, out of 
Houston, honestly, I, I don't understand what the Texans are doing at all over there. Uh, let's move on to Defensive <laughs> Rookie of the Year. So we said that Parsons is a strong candidate. And at the time, when we made our original list, we had Parsons, Asante Samuel, Eric Stokes, and Patrick Sertain. And it's become the Micah Parsons show. There's no way Micah Parsons does not win the award. Currently, Micah Parsons is <laughs> minus 10,000 to win the award. Um, and then Patrick Sertain is the next closest at plus 900s. So it sounds like it's going to be Micah Parsons. That's a slam dunk, right? Absolutely. There's no other possible person that you could even vote for. I mean, he has to win it unanimously. I'd I'd bet money that, yeah, not only does he win it, he wins it with every single vote. Yeah, no, there's just not a case for anybody else. Um, So with that one being so open and shut, let's get to a more, I think, controversial one. We have Comeback Player of the Year, an award that basically had Dak Prescott's name written on it. He was the favorite from pretty much the jump of the season as soon as they, they opened it. He looked pretty well against Tampa Bay. But Joe Burrow, he's quietly, I think, towards the back half of the season, kind of closed the gap between the two of them. Uh, wh- who are you taking here, Tony? This one is so tough because both of these players were injured. Both of these players came back phenomenally. <sighs> I think I'm going to give it to Dak because mm-hmm. even though we've been saying he's had, you know, kind of slumped, uh, throughout a lot of the season, like, yes, that might be true. Maybe he did slump a little bit from the explosive start that he had, but he was still a phenomenal player. He still put up amazing stats. Uh, so I think that, yes, Joe Burrow made a finish strong, and, you know, the wide receiving core over in Cincinnati is obviously so good. But Joe Burrow also does have the knock of, yes, he did throw 34 touchdowns this year, and that's all good and dandy, but he also threw 14 picks. So he's not leading the league, but he is up there. On the other hand, you have Dak Prescott, who did throw 37 touchdowns. He had so three more, and he only threw 10 interceptions. That's huge. He had more yards. He just was a little bit better in every area. So I do think that you know a lot of the hype around Joe Burrow is real, and because of Jamar Chase, he gets a lot of the media recognition these days. But I do think that Dak Prescott has had the better yeah, the markets do definitely seem to agree with you. Currently, Dak Prescott sits at a minus 140. Uh, Joe Burrow is a plus 110. And then the next closest is Nick Bosa at plus 6,500. And you could bet on Carson Wentz for plus 10,000 if you really like throwing away money. Um, <laughs> awesome. So let's move to... Well, okay, before we jump to Coach of the Year, we did jump over Offensive Rookie of the Year. Can we jump back to that, Tom? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I figured that... We were going to. We kind of said that Mac Jones was going to win it, but yeah. If you want to detail offensive rookie of the year, well, the only reason I want to jump back to this is because back when we originally did this list, uh, Jamar Chase was obviously the rookie of the year. He's an offensive player. You can't win two of the awards uh, at this point. None of the quarterbacks had done anything, so we actually highlighted a bunch of linemen. We had Josh Myers, Rashawn Slater, and Penny Sewell all as really our only three guys that can win the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, and I do think that. Because of the quarterback bias, I think that uh, Mac Jones is going to win it. But It should be Mac. I think it should be Mac, yes. But I think that there are other cases for some of the linemen. For example, Creed Humphrey, center out of Kansas City, has been absolutely phenomenal this year. Linemen do not get the love. We at this show love linemen. Mm-hmm. We have been working to try to figure out a way to get linemen recognition in the uh, Zelo model. So it's been tough it's really hard to do people don't recognize it even though i think it is the most important group of players on the offensive side so i think that they deserve some love and i think there is a case for those guys but it is going to be back 
Yeah, no, as my all-time favorite analyst, Pat Kerwin, says in his book, Take Your Off the, Bo- the Eye Off the Ball 2.0, um, it's kind of incredible that almost nearly two tons of of human flesh somehow disappear when people watch football until they mess up. It's truly something else. So yeah, I think that I think there are cases to be made for the the linemen, but I just don't think that people are going to look past the quarterback. It's just too easy to to see the quarterback with the ball and hand him the award. Let's move on to coach of the year. It's our last category before we kind of dive into this coaching carousel. Uh, so coach of the year, Tony. This is really interesting. We had Brandon Staley, Cliff Kingsbury, and Zach Taylor uh, as our leading candidates. Staley, of course, coach of the Chargers. I think that case is probably pretty dead and gone after they failed to make the playoffs. Uh, We put Cliff on here because his Cardinals were undefeated at the time, but they are no longer. And Zach Taylor, of those on the list, has a really strong case and the best odds um, in terms of betting that were on that list. Uh, but the actual betting favorite is Mike Vrabel, which is a really good take, I think. Uh, he's at minus 185. Zach Taylor is plus 250. And then Matt LaFleur is plus 350. So if you were to pick your coach of the year, Tony, I know we we had a little bit of interaction with the Peacemaker on Twitter, who he said it should be Nick Sirianni because of the fact that he coaches the Eagles and the Eagles made the playoffs. <laughs> so, um, should, do you think? It, do you agree with Peacemaker that it should be Sirianni, or do you think it should be Taylor? I know you you've been strongly championing Lafleur. Uh, who do you think? Um, I think everybody has a good case. Honestly, it's just different cases, right? So, why does Vrabel get it? Okay, Vrabel gets it because they've been the most injured. They've had the most players fielded during the season NFL record I forget what the number is like 96 or something 91 or something like that so uh 96 gets sounds it, right 96 Vrabel would get it for that okay cool Zach Taylor well Zach Taylor would get it because the Bengals they were not that good last year they're really pretty bad even when Burrow was playing now they're making the playoffs they have a decent shot at making it maybe a round or two in that's awesome I think they're going to continue to improve uh, the fact that they have improved that much in one year that's why Zach Taylor would get it Okay, why would LaFleur get it? Let's, the first year, a lot of people said, oh, okay, they went 13-3. and LaFleur just inherited a great team. The year after that, they went 13-3. and Oh, LaFleur just inherited a great team. Now we're in the third year with 13-4. and At a certain point for me, uh, that, that excuse has an expiration date, just like how we originally said the Vikings are great. They've just been having bad luck. That, they all have expiration dates, and at a certain point it goes from you inherited a great team to you have now maintained and kept up a great team, which is just as hard as building one, honestly. To keep success is just as hard as getting to success. Uh, Other coaches have been fantastic throughout NFL history. They have inherited great teams. They haven't done the things that he's done. So I do think that he is a case. Uh, And I think that Sirianni also has a case for getting the Eagles to the playoffs at all. I think that's awesome. He's right up there with Zach Taylor in terms of why he would win it. So I think they all have their own reasons to win. No, they definitely do. And as somebody who likes to quantify things, because, you know, it's kind of like my whole my whole gimmick, I guess. Not gimmick, but that's that's just how I am. I like to try to quantify things and figure out everybody's value. And it is impossible to figure out coaches' value. So I have absolutely no idea. Personally, I just like the fact that the Peacemaker came onto Twitter and told us to, to give it to Nick Sirianni. So I'm going to say Sirianni because I thought that that was pretty funny. But I think that whoever wins this earned it for sure. All right, so let's make the yeah, transition. I won't, I won't be mad with any of them winning. No, for sure. I, I, you can't go wrong. We have a lot of good coaches this year. It's definitely not as clean cut as it has been in the past. 
All right, let's uh, transition over to the next thing we want to talk about, which is the title of the show, The Worst Carousel Ever. I, I don't know if that title is going to look very good for a football podcast. Hopefully people will make the connection. Um, but so we've saw a lot of coaches get fired. In fact, it's now currently one quarter of the NFL does not have a head coach. That's eight different teams who are head coachless. Um, so we have the Denver Broncos, Vic uh, Vangio, he's gone. New York Giants lost Joe Judge. Chicago Bears lost Matt Nagy. The Miami Dolphins lost Brian Flores. The Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer, and one that I thought was was kind of unexpected, honestly. Uh, but what do I know, <laughs> I guess? Um, then we have uh, one that doesn't even feel like a firing because it happened so long ago. That's John Gruden of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and then we have the most recent, David Culley, who was fired from the Houston Texans which definitely came as a surprise to me because he had one year with a horrible roster and exceeded my expectations. My only my only thought process can be he did too good of a job. That the Texans are like, what are you doing? We're trying to tank for the first pick. You're, you're actually winning us games? You can't do that. Get out of here. Um, but So, Tony, of these options, what was the most surprising for you? Because I definitely think it was a t- somewhere – not a tie, but a toss-up, I guess, between Brian Flores and David Cully. Uh, who would you say? Uh, well, before we jump into that, also, we've got Urban Meyer in there, Jacksonville Jaguars. He was uh, fired uh, as well. Yeah, I forget about that one just because it, it uh, it's so crazy and was just such a bad hire. Yeah, it was a terrible hire. I think, for me, the biggest surprise is, without a doubt, Brian Flores. I mean, yes, they started off and they went on that seven-game losing streak, that defense specifically is extremely young. You have a lot of young players. They haven't quite gotten into the league yet. I think the Dolphins as a whole have one of the, if not the youngest roster in the NFL. So a lot of these guys are extremely inexperienced. It takes them a little bit to get into the season. Once they got into the season, got about you know seven, eight weeks in, then they went on an absolute tear. That team got turned around. The defense started looking like the defense we thought that they would be at the end of last season. The offense was starting to click. They were starting to score some points. Flores looked amazing. He is the one coach on this uh, list, I guess, that we have here that I am absolutely stunned at. The rest of them, I can see some explanation for in some way or another, even if I disagree with it. Flores, I wholeheartedly do not even understand. And I saw something, I don't know if it was a tweet or if I was watching a show or something, but they said that if the coach you just fired becomes the hottest coach on the market immediately, you probably shouldn't have fired him. And that's exactly what is happening. Brian Flores, I'm sure, is getting a call from every single other team on this list. And Yeah, no, I saw that tweet. And I, was, I retweeted that because I just wholeheartedly agree. It was it was basically the best way I could have I could have said that. Um but yeah, he's actually the odds-on favorite right now to replace Matt Nagy with the Bears. I believe he met earlier with them today. Um, not that I like firing coaches, but if I had to get rid of Matt Rule and replace him with a guy on this list, and I got Brian Flores, I'd be pretty happy with, with the guy I just picked up. Brian Flores would be fantastic. He'd be a great addition. I can't imagine the defense that I currently have with Brian Flores. That'd be, I think, kind of terrifying. Yeah, he definitely is just a mastermind of football. Like, he just knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. He knows how to work with his players. And if he can just get into a locker room that, you know, trusts each other, is knowledgeable, is experienced, has some vets in the locker room, those are just some things that he was missing at the beginning of the season in Miami. And I think that's really what hurt the team. Other than that, I think he did a phenomenal job and absolutely did not deserve to get 
No, he did, and I believe he's, I think, one of the few coaches with a winning record against Belichick. Like he he swept the he swept the Patriots this year, which feels like it's impossible to do. I don't think anybody sweeps the Patriots with consistency, and Flores has won consistently against the Patriots pretty regularly. So I think that that honestly should be enough for the Dolphins to be like, hey, somebody could beat the Patriots. Why do, why would you get rid of someone who could beat the Patriots? I, it's impossible to explain. Uh, I think the best explanation was that Flores was reported to have not liked Tua and that that relationship kind of soured because Flores really wanted uh, Deshaun Watson. And eventually, because of that disagreement, he disagreed with the GM. I think the GM was trying to keep Tua, and that relationship ended up souring. So that's why he inevitably had to be let go. So, Tony, uh, let's go through the list and, I guess, try and offer our best replacement for each team because it, it is really hard to, and I have an ESPN, I have a bunch of reporting from Adam Schefter that we can kind of look at and see, um, you know, who we think should go where based on information that we have right now. So why don't we try and make our predictions that will probably, as they always do, age incredibly poorly. <laughs> well, honestly, most of these coaches, I don't think anybody should really pick up all that much, like. Let's look at Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is a terrible coach. I don't think anybody should, in good conscience, pick up Matt Nagy. John Gruden will obviously not get picked up, so we can rule him out immediately. I do think that one of the best... I've thought about this a little bit, and as scary as this would be as a Packers fan, I think that Flores to Vikings and Zimmer to Dolphins. I think that would be a pretty good you know, kind of trade, if you will, of coaches, I guess, if you know, the Dolphins don't like Flores, whatever. Flores is a great coach, I think. The Vikings, for some reason, didn't like Zimmer, uh, whatever. I think Zimmer would work well down in Miami. I think that would be a pretty good flip. Two great coaches that I respect a whole lot after, you know, with being in the same division as Zimmer for so many years. I do think that he is a great coach, and I think he can succeed most places. I would like to see what he could do with a young Tua, and I do think that the uh, Flores, exactly what he needs is a little bit of an older locker room with some older players that have some leadership qualities that he just didn't have in Miami. I think that would be a pretty good pickup for both of them. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I was more talking about the the actual team side, not these coaches, because like looking at this list, absolutely, I agree. I don't think there are going to be a lot of new hire uh, rehires. Joe Judge, the former special teams coordinator from the Patriots, who was head coach of the Giants, definitely not. Get rid of him. Get him far away from a head coaching job. Matt Nagy, the Chicago Bears, he's had his chances. His chances are done. Urban Meyer, yeah, no, he's going to go retire and probably pick up a a, a college job somewhere i think in in a few years john gruden nope he's definitely gone and unfortunately for david cully i think his career is also probably over too as a head coach i think unfortunately for him he had his he had a chance and for whatever reason texans management just did not want to keep him so i think unfortunately for him his his chance is definitely gone um, but i do think flores uh, vangio and zimmer are going to have at least some sort of career in the nfl i think zimmer and flores stand the best chance to become head coaches. I could see, um, I know people have been linking the Bills and Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinators to some of these head jobs. I think that uh, we could see Vic Fangio slide in as a defensive coordinator, maybe in Tampa Bay, which I think would be really kind of, uh, would be an interesting fit because that defense, he's a great defensive mind. I just don't think that he could get ever get the offensive side of the ball right. 
Yeah, that's the problem with some of these head coaches. You know, they're one way or the other, and so many of these teams might you know need the opposite of what they are. And now we're getting more into the era of um, not so much just like with Urban Meyer, even though he was the biggest kind of signing, where a lot of these coaches are just flipping between leagues. Maybe you don't work in the NFL. Maybe you drop down to like one of these other uh, college programs, see if you do a little bit better there, and vice versa. Cliff Kingsbury has obviously done a pretty decent job in the NFL after being more of a college coach for his career. So I know there has been some speculation on some college coaches coming up and maybe taking some of these uh, coaching jobs in the NFL. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch college football. I don't have any idea who any of the coaches are for any team whatsoever. Uh, So I don't know who would be good where that would be more of a Campbell Jones question, but uh, I guess some of those guys would probably be taking some spots up in the NFL. Yeah, no, I definitely could see that. But all the all the people rumored right now, anyway, are are predominantly NFL head coaches. Let Let's rank these actually before we begin. Let's rank the order of these it, these jobs because I think it's it's a good way to kind of examine who we think will go where is by ranking the jobs. So, like, rank the teams, like how good yeah, the, the, the rank, position is. Yeah, rank the teams. Like, if you could, if you were given these jobs. You could pick any of these jobs. In what order would you pick the respective job? Okay. I think that I would go with Vikings 1 for sure. Okay. I'm going to go with Vikings right. 1. We'll go with Dolphins 2. Mm-hmm. Broncos 3. I think they're just a quarterback away. Raiders 4. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, now we're getting into it. It gets really the, hard. Uh, You're the drag. Now- I think it's the Bears. I think it's the Bears. I agree. I think I'm going to go Bears, then Texans, then Giants, and Jags. Yeah, I think the Jags is because you don't like Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want Lawrence. I'll take anybody else. Yeah, no. I mean, with the Texans, at least you have a franchise quarterback in Mills. Mm-hmm. All right. So if I had to rank these, I think I'm starting out the same way as you. Um, okay. I think I would start with the Vikings because I think that. Like it feels like they are always just a game. They were a game or two away, like all season long. They had a, yep. a, if a, if you have an eight nine season and your eight nine season is incredibly disappointing, then I think you probably have a pretty good job. Oh yeah, it's really tough. I want to actually put the Raiders at second because I think that that offense is really good, um, and I think the defense is coming together nicely. So it's it's hard. I'm gonna put. Let's see, you know what? I'll go. Raiders, Broncos, and then the Dolphins. Really? Yeah, because so the problem with the Dolphins is like they are firmly locked into Tua. I don't think Tua is going to improve much. I think that this is kind of the, the Tua you're going to get, and I feel like the Dolphins are going to be stuck with a game manager type quarterback. Yeah, I guess I'm not. I didn't pick the Dolphins so much because of Tua, mostly because that team is so young and already has so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, talent that they are showing in other places. The problem for me is that I think the Broncos, um, in almost not having a quarterback, are in a better spot than being locked into a quarterback. And I think the Broncos-Dolphins defense is probably our toss-up because I do think what made the Dolphins great was Flores. True. I'm also looking at how young they are. Like you can rely. On, I no, I'm that's fair. Assuming you could probably rely on the Dolphins a little bit more for a little bit longer. No, that's that's not a bad point. I think I'd go Bears at five, and then I'm going to go, hmm, 
I'm going to go Jaguars, Texans, Giants. And the, my thinking there is the Jags have the better pick. And I feel, I feel like they are a better overall team if Lawrence can perform a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't see a whole lot of upside to that. Granted, you know, these bottom three teams, there's not really a whole lot of upside to any of them. But I'm surprised that you had the Giants in seventh. I think the Giants are a fairly horrible team. Well, I think the Giants are pretty terrible as well. I just think that, you know, the Jags, for me, are just a little bit worse. Yeah, no, they, they, I don't, like you said, those three are, are kind of bottom of the barrel teams. Yeah. So looking at some of Adam Schefter's reporting, let's, I guess, kind of work our way up. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have requested, and I believe interviewed, uh, Doug Peterson, the former Eagles and Super Bowl champion head coach, Jim Caldwell, the former head coach of the Colts and Lions, Kellen Moore, they've requested, have not interviewed, uh, Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, they've interviewed him. Todd Bowles has also been interviewed. He's the Buccaneers defensive coordinator. Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberfluss, Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, and Jags interim head coach Daryl Bevel has also been um, granted some time on the list, I guess. So of, of those people, who do you think is the most likely? I think Kellen Moore would be a fantastic pickup for him. I know Campbell hates uh, anybody saying that because he is quite the Kellen Moore fan. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he is a a brilliant young mind. I think that he is going to be able to do a lot in this league if he can get an, uh, a head coaching opportunity. I will say, if anybody wants to interview the Packers special teams coordinator and take him off our hands, I would be very <laughs> happy with that. Uh, but I do think that Kellen Moore or Nathaniel Hackett are probably the two that will uh, likely be hired the quickest. Yeah, unfortunately for special teams coordinators, I have a really bad feeling that Joe Judge has ruined any chance of getting a, sp- a head a head coaching job as a special teams coordinator. Yeah, well, our guy's not doing that any favors either. He's pretty bad. No, he's not. <laughs> oh, he's definitely not. Special teams are like the offensive linemen of 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 like units, I guess. Um, and that you don't notice them as long as they're performing well, but when it's bad, it's bad and everyone can see it. Oh yeah. So you like Kellen Moore. I think Bill O'Brien, I don't know if you're, if you're Jacksonville, why you interviewed Bill O'Brien. That's a great question. It seems like there's always one or two guys that these teams interview. That's like, why are you even giving this guy the time of day? Yeah. Did you see what he did to your division rival? Like, did you see that? Did you watch him do that? He's just destroyed teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he couldn't even get Alabama national championship. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd be getting pretty close. <laughs> I'm partially joking, but I'm partially not. Like, come on. Oh, my God. Why? Um, personally, I would really like to see Kellen Moore, too. I know that's going to sound really boring, but I would also like to see Kellen Moore. Don't get me wrong. I think Doug Peterson is good, but I don't think he ends up with his job. I think it's Kellen Moore because of what he's been able to do with that Dallas offense. Yeah, that has been phenomenal. I do think that uh, some people have kind of knocked him a little bit just because that offense did uh, stutter, I guess you could say, just a little bit from their normal you know, explosive ways. Uh, I think that that is decently in part because let's just be honest Zeke has been underwhelming I think Tony Pollard has outplayed him a little bit throughout this season so I do think that had something to do with it Dak was just a little bit off a lot of the receivers were hurt coming back and whatever 
So I do think that he gets kind of an unnecessary knock for that. But I do think that he is still a phenomenal mind and he deserves uh, the chance to go to get a head coaching job with a decent enough team where he can really show what he Yeah, no, if you're Jacksonville, you're looking at the upside of that callous uh, of that oh, callous wow that oh my god uh dallas cowboys there we go i can english uh if you're you're looking at the upside of that cowboys offense i think that's probably why you would hire him right is to to, to just try to if there's anyone who can i think coach a young quarterback like lawrence it would be kellen moore i think would be a really good fit there um besides bill o'brien i don't know if you can really go wrong with that one <laughs> um, yeah. all right let, let's look over to the broncos so if you're the broncos you're inheriting a really good defense and a lot of really good offensive weapons you're just a quarterback away and that really is the the biggest struggle i think is is the quarterback spot i don't know if you solved that by drafting or by the free agency uh pool uh, i would imagine you probably don't want to draft because of how bad this class is but maybe somebody falls to you um but tony first off if you're the if you're if you got this job, who would you be interested in like trying to get? I know Rogers has been rumored. Uh, I think Russell Wilson has was rumored to want to go to the Broncos. Like, are you trying to pick up somebody in free agency or trading or drafting or what? Well, I know it's something that a lot of people have been talking about. Is the uh, I think the Broncos requested to interview Nathaniel Hackett as well, uh, and I think one other Packers uh, coordinator or coach in some form. And a lot of people were very interested in that because uh, if nothing else, they were speculating that, you know, you hire a Green Bay guy to try to coax Rodgers to come over to your side, even if you're not really looking so much for the coach. If you can just get that player, he's the last real player you need. He's still the best player in the league. He's about to win MVP. Like, you could really boost your team with pretty much any coach if you have that team with that guy uh, taking taking snaps behind center so i do think that that has been a speculation i don't think it happens honestly uh i have somewhat a little bit seen uh pete carroll is kind of on the hot seat after a couple poor uh performance years so if he ends up going up and he goes to denver uh that could be an option that i've seen as well i don't think you pull russ if you pick up pete uh because i think that they those two have kind of butted heads in recent years but I do think that uh, the Russell Wilson thing is interesting just because that team is a whole lot better than Seattle is right now, and he definitely wouldn't be getting hit uh, nearly as much, which I think would be huge for him. But that's definitely going to be interesting to see how. Yeah, so a quick aside about Pete Carroll. I don't see him losing his job just the way that the Seattle Seahawks ended their season, right? Like, I feel like you can absolutely chalk that poor season up to just Russell Wilson being injured for a good chunk of it more than anything else. Uh, but let's look at the the interview request for the Devon Broncos. So, like you said, Tony, they they uh, interviewed or requested at the very least Nathaniel Hackett. He's the offensive coordinator for the Packers, and they also talked to QB coach and pass game coordinator Luke Getze. Uh, in addition, they've requested to interview Pat's Patriots coach. Uh, linebacker coach Jared Mayo, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, uh, Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, and that guy's everywhere. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator as well, e- Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, and then Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. So of those guys, I know you said that you kind of liked the idea of a Packers coordinator going there um, because it's kind of been linked for that Rodgers edge. Um, but what do you think? Of that list, who do you think is going to go there? Because I could sort of see Dan Quinn going there, honestly. I I was saying the, I was the kind of thinking the same thing. I don't hate the Dan Quinn pick. 
did you say was Dylan was Kellen Moore in that list as well? I've I think Kellen Moore is going to be on every list. Uh, but yes, yes, Kellen Moore was. He's going to be too. on every list. Okay, I could definitely see with those with the two teams that we just looked at. I could see Nath going. You know, if anything, Nathaniel Hackett to one and Kellen Moore to the other. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett necessarily leaves, and if he doesn't, I think that you also get Luke Getzey in there. Uh, from the Packers, I think you said quarterback, uh, passing coach. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he has been a, one of those up and coming kind of guys. You know, he started low and he's slowly jumping up the ranks. This could be a huge move for him if he goes straight from a uh, passing coordinator directly to a head coach. But I do think that I have seen good things from him, so I would be interested to see what he does. Obviously, I don't want to lose any of our guys that we have now, and I don't necessarily think we lose Hackett. But I think Getsy could be there. Like, that's just such a jump. I don't know if you pass that up. Yeah, I mean, the question with this hire is, if you're the Broncos, do you want a defensive mind or do you want an offensive mind? If you want an offensive mind, I think the best way to go is hack it, not because you're trying to, like, sneak away Rodgers from the Packers, but it's more like because you are trying to fix that position, and so why not get somebody who's worked with one of the best minds in football on the floor? And if you're looking defensive, I think Dan Quinn is great because I think he could make a lot out of that Denver Broncos defense. Yeah, I think if I'm the Broncos, I would personally want to go more of an offensive mind this go-around. Defense has been your kind of bread and butter the past couple years, and it hasn't quite panned out, so let's try to get... Mm -hmm. All right, so let's uh, hop on over to the Vikings. They obviously fired Mike Zimmer. He had a 72-56-1 record, which... I can't believe that gets you fired. That feels kind of crazy. But, of course, he had the lackluster season in 2020 and then the lackluster season here, too. Um, it, it, it feels crazy. I love Flores for this job. Absolutely. I think, Flores, this would be the perfect place. Yeah, I mean, the defense is ready-made and ready for you to step in. He can probably coach it up a little bit. Um, and then I, I think that the offense is pretty much one of the better ones in the NFL. So Flores wouldn't have to really worry about that. Just get a good offensive coordinator in the building. Granted, that is considered to be one of Flores' weaknesses in his tenure in Miami is that he could not find a good offensive coordinator. So maybe that's a problem, but that offense feels like pretty ready for anyone to coach it. Yeah, I think that the problem with the Vikings isn't so much like Zimmer's issue wasn't that he was a bad coach, is that he was getting way too conservative. I think you, you need a more aggressive play caller to get back there and let Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson connect on these deeper balls. Stop throwing these, you know, five yard checkdowns, stop throwing these bubble screens. I think we saw more bubble screens from the Vikings this year than we did from every other team combined. And it just doesn't work. I think the bubble screen should be eliminated from the playbook entirely for that team. It just hasn't worked for him, and they need somebody to call these bigger plays. They have playmakers on that field. Kirk Cousins takes all the crap in the world, but he is a good quarterback. He is uh, potentially on the borderline of great quarterback many of these recent years. So I do think that he, they have plenty of potential in that offense to make big plays and get a lot of points, and that defense is, like you said, ready to go. So I think that Flores would be a great pick here and just – call a little more aggressively. I think that's all you need to do to fix it. Mm-hmm. Let's go to a team that's still in the division and is kind of in a similar spot. The offense was lackluster. The defense, while not great, is, I think, good. Uh, and that's the Chicago Bears. They let go of Matt Nagy. Um, they, I think a big difference between the Vikings and the Bears is that they have a young rookie quarterback in Justin Fields. I think because of that, 
they're probably again going to look towards an offensive-minded person. Here's the list of people they've been talking to. Um, so they talked to Bills offensive coordinator Brian Duball and defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, uh, Frazier excuse me, uh, Doug Peterson, the Eagles' former head coach, and then uh, Byron Leftwich of the Bucks' offensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, the Bucks' defensive coordinator, and the Packers' offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. And Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Those are all requests. None are confirmed interviews. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, I think that that defense has regressed every single year ever since their 2018 campaign, where they were uh, they were outstanding. They've gotten a little bit worse every single year, and I don't know if that's so much because of coaching or because players are you know aging, not quite as good as they were. The offense clearly has so much work to do. I don't think Justin Fields is all that. Uh, I don't think he has all that much help around him as well. That uh, O-line has not been good for him. The He's got, oh, what's his name? Allen Robinson is mm-hmm. the one receiver that he really has. Darnell Mooney has been pretty good, but he's a clear wide receiver too. So I think that he has... He has a little bit to work with, not a whole lot, and any coach that goes there is going to have to do quite a bit of you know, gutting of that team to try to get them back to playoff contention. It's going to take a lot more than just good coaching. It's going to take a revamp of the roster in many. If I'm the Bears, the, the one name on the list, and quite frankly, a name that is not on enough of these lists, is Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Get him in. I would love to see Justin Fields uh, style of play with Eric Bieniemy coaching him, I think that would be a slam dunk hire. I've been saying to hire Bieniemy for years. I think that he is incredibly integral in that Kansas City offense. It's one of the best offenses in the league. He's proven that he can kind of help fix the offense. We saw that with this year when the offense was really kind of struggling to do well, and it's kind of turned itself around. Again, not nearly as explosive, um, but it's improved dramatically from the start of the season. So I would say Biennemi here is my favorite pick. I don't know if it'll happen, uh, but I would like to see it be Biennemi. Yeah, I certainly, I didn't really you know know about him until you started talking uh, about him to me. I've looked him up a little bit. He does look like he has a fantastic resume. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to be able to do with the Bears, uh, just because I don't personally believe in fields all that much. We can see what he does, though, if he gets hired. I do know. Uh, I know they have inter- they're requested to interview Nathaniel Hackett. I don't think that happens just because you know both teams in the NFC North. So I don't think Packers let him walk to go to an immediate rival. Other than that, I think all those guys are pretty good on the table. Uh, Doug Peterson would be an interesting one to see go from Philly to Chicago, two of those bigger, more you know blue collar cities kind of vibes. We could see what he does there. That could be extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. No, very interesting. Yeah, Biennemi should be on every single one of these lists. I don't know how he isn't. Um, So let's look at the Dolphins. So the Dolphins, they're an interesting case because they technically have not officially requested to interview John Harbaugh, the the Michigan head coach. But everybody kind of expects it to at least be a possibility because I believe the Miami Dolphins owner is a huge booster to the Michigan football program and is actually a former alum of the school. So he's not going to be on any official list, but he's his name should still be at least be mentioned in the conversation. I know you don't do college football, Tony, but do you think that Harbaugh is going to leave Michigan to come back to the pros? Uh, he formerly coached the 49ers and actually got them to a Super Bowl. Uh, if there is a college coach that I would request, it would be him just because he does have that experience in the past. 
I personally wouldn't interview any college coach that hasn't already succeeded in the NFL in some form. Uh, so he is, I could see him coming back. I would only approve of it because of his you know, track record in the NFL. I personally think that just like players going from college to the NFL, it doesn't, it's the same as coaches. Like it, your success in one means literally zero to the other. They're so different from each other, uh, mm-hmm. which is why Harbo is the only one. I think that I could, if I were them, I could comfortably give the, yeah, just look at Nick Saban if you want proof that success in the no success in the NFL does not mean no success in college football. <laughs> that that one uh, definitely is not a good indicator of success. Um, so the Dolphins have requested Brian Dable, the Bills' offensive coordinator, and 49, 49ers' offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel. I think it's Mike McDaniel would be my pick of the people that they've requested to interview, just because. If there's any system that you want that can kind of help to a, to a blossom and improve, it's probably the 49ers system, no, Tony? I would think so. That would be a good one to kind of model your offense after anyways. That team, the teams are definitely built, not, you know, the same, but a little more similarly. It's kind of, it, the Bears are kind of like Costco brand Niners, if you will. So I do kind of understand that. I could definitely see it. Yeah, no, I think that the Dolphins, so one interesting thing about Tua is that he was actually one of the best quarterbacks during that winning streak to run RPOs in the in the NFL. I believe he had the highest QBR and rating um, during that stretch or the back half of the season running RPOs. So I think that would be really interesting, and I think the 49ers would probably benefit, not the 49ers, the 49ers system would benefit Tua, especially if you kind of start thinking that maybe he's a game manager. Uh, I don't know. So let's look at the New York Giants. I don't know if there's a reason that you would want to go coach this team. Of course, their former coach was Joe Judge, the special teams coordinator of the Patriots. They turned in a 4-13 and season, um, I believe, in the season in, in Week 18 leading up to their game against the Washington football team because of the ne- the fight on national television that the football team got into between two of their players. Uh, Joe Judge reportedly called the football team a clown show and then got shown up by a clown show in a pretty bad way. So I think that probably may have just sort of contributed to him getting fired is the fact that he just could not say, like he just had to say stupid things. It felt like all the time. So Tony, who do you think is going to want to coach the giants? Because obviously, you know, that team is one of 32 jobs that are available, but there's not really, I don't think like with all these other teams, there's some kind of positive, like, with the Vikings, great offense, the Broncos, the Dolphins, great defense, Jacksonville, you have an, a young unknown quarterback, same with Chicago. The Giants just don't have that upside. No, they really don't. As an organization, they have, I mean, they just, they haven't really done anything. It's been pretty poor to watch this team over the past couple of years. Uh, I guess ever since that, that infamous picture of all of the uh, Giants on- wide receivers on the boat, from the playoffs many years ago. They have been absolutely abhorrent since that picture. I don't think if you're a coach, there's any reason that you would want to. Like The only coaches that are going to take this job are the ones that are have been fired from their team either recently or in the past couple of years because they themselves had bad records on bad teams. Like This is a team that you go to if you want to reprove yourself. Like If you can have any success here, you're probably a pretty good coach. So there's no high profile coach that I think is going to go to the Giants unless they really want to like prove something to themselves. But other than that, I don't I don't see it. 
Yeah, no, I don't either. So I, I think you would be looking at a completely big rehaul of the entire franchise. I know that their uh, their GM either retired because he was the option was to be fired or retired because he wanted to retire and was just done with this mess. So they're also looking um, for a, a general manager. So right now, according to Big Blue View, which is a Giants website, so take it with a grain of salt, um, Eric Bieniemy is listed as a coaching favorite to get this job um, because Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel Ryan Poles is looking at potentially being the GM of the Giants. Bieniemy could find his head coaching job, his first head coaching job with the Giants because of that connection. Do you like that idea that those two go there? Eh, I mean, I don't love it. I don't really love the idea of anybody going to this team, honestly. There's not... <laughs> I just can't see any scenario where this ends with a suddenly good team. Like like you said, every other team that we've talked about has had some form of upside. Even Saquon Barkley isn't an upside anymore. He's That injury, it seems like, completely annihilated him. He was pretty mediocre this entire year, so I don't even think that there's like a player that you could highlight that's, oh, this guy's going to be fantastic. Like The wide receiving core combined had five touchdowns this year. Daniel Jones started off the season better than he had in previous years, but finished off Daniel Jones in. So, I mean, who even knows what this team can do anymore? Interesting that you should mention that. Saquon Barkley, according to Zelo, is actually the 59th running back in the NFL, which is sort of an indictment, I think, uh, for sure. Debo Samuel, a wide receiver, as a running back, was more valuable than Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Saquon was <laughs> nothing this year. Like, he was so hyped the first three weeks because he was you know, coming back from the injury and everybody was giving him the benefit of the doubt. But after that, he just continued to be terrible, and it never got better. Yeah, no, he was pretty horrible. Um, so looking at the rest of the list on this website on BigBlueView.com, I think I found my favorite candidate, and you'll have to – I'll see if you agree. So according to this, Wink Martindale – was interviewed. Uh, he's the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. The Giants interviewed him before hiring Joe Judge in 2020. If he re-interviewed, would the Giants be interested in going on that route again? If they hire Ravens director of college scouting Joe Hortz as GM, it becomes a very likely possibility. Two years ago, Martindale was thought to have Joe Brady lined up as his offensive coordinator if he got a head coaching job. Brady is available again after being fired as Panthers offensive coordinator. Could the pairing work in New York? I kind of like Wink Martindale now, actually, after reading that little clip. I don't dislike it. I don't know enough about the guy. I know the Ravens' defense has been good for a number of years now, so he must be pretty good. But at the same time, it's probably going to take a little bit to build this, you know, Giants' defense to, you know, you know the level of the Ravens' defense. Even it's going to take a. Oh yeah, it's an overall. It's definitely going to be a, a long-term project. So let's look at the Houston Texans with the more. Maybe the second most confusing firing in the National Football League with David Culley. So David Culley only coached one season, and he led the Texans to four and thirteen. When a lot of people kind of said, "Yeah, that was a lot better." His roster was pretty horrible. They only had one first round pick in four years, in the four years prior before Culley getting there. Um, so, like, I don't know if the Texans thought that he was going to make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? But uh, th- he definitely was handed chicken, you'll, you know what, this season. Uh, currently, according to Adam Schefter, Patriots linebackers coach Jared Mayo is expected to emerge as a leading candidate. So 
I don't know how much I like Jared Mayo, like just because I'm skeptical of you not being an offensive or defensive coordinator and then immediately getting a head coaching job. But what do you make of the Texans seemingly wanting to go the Patriots route? See, this is the issue because we've kind of seen throughout Belichick and the New England Patriots history, people that go from the Belichick coaching tree to the head coaching positions tend to do poorly, fairly poorly. Yeah, they don't tend to do well. That Belichick unit only succeeds in the unit. Like I think Flores is the only exception. Like, look at Matt Patricia. The Lions kind of fell apart. Yeah, every other person has been like, oh, he's from the Belichick coaching tree. Belichick's great, which means this guy's probably great. And that might be true. Maybe they are great in their coordinator positions. But once you go to head coach, that's a completely different ballgame. So I don't, I don't think that. I don't think that you should hire anybody out of the, the Belichick coaching tree to go to a head coaching position unless they do some phenomenal things because it just seems like it doesn't. Yeah, no, they need to be a proven commodity, and I don't think that a linebacking head coach is a proven commodity. Um, all right, so let's hop on to the last one, and this is the the most awkward one to talk about because it's John Gruden, and he got fired in that like massively huge email scandal that – is just kind of, I don't want to get into the specifics of what he said because it is pretty bad. Um, but let's focus on the positive. So the interim head coach, uh, Rich Biseka, he actually did really good and got the Raiders into the playoffs. So do you think that he's earned himself that head coaching job? And imagine, you know, if they were to win against the Bengals, is that good enough for a head coaching job too? Did he, did he earn that spot? I think so. I mean, if you could beat the Bengals in the playoffs, like let's not, you know, pretend the Bengals are a slump team. They are not. They are a great team this year. And I think that if you can manage to beat them with all of the you know adversity that you've gone through this year without Ruggs, who was, uh, you know, whatever he did off the field, on the field, he was a good player. He was fast. He could catch. He was everything you really wanted in a receiver. He ran good routes. So I do think that if you can manage to win, beat the Bengals in the postseason, make it to even the second round, yeah, sure, absolutely, I'd go. I'm honestly going to take it a step farther and say that he should just get this job right now because with John Gruden, it feels like every year we go, are the Raiders for real? And they kind of were for real with Baseka. Now, granted, he did have to you know, play in that elimination game against the Chargers, but he did get them to the playoffs, which is a huge pro. So you know, I think he should actually just be the head coach. I think that they should be smart and just keep him. They had a, a league-high five walk-off wins, according to ESPN, so maybe that's a little bit questionable, like if that's super repl- replicable. Um, but I think the Raiders make sense. I-, I think that makes sense, like just for being a calm presence. Like he's a very much a leadership guy. He was able to lead them in a crazy season that we probably haven't seen really, uh, you know, a season be so crazy for one team. Yeah, which honestly that team needs. There's a very uh... – it used to be the Bengals. Now it is the Raiders. There is a very negative connotation around the Raiders franchise in terms of the quality of individuals they tend to sign. I think that they just need a culture kind of reboot, and this could be a good guy to do it. He has a fantastic. 
Yeah, no, I think it would definitely be the, he's definitely the right guy to do it. I think, but we'll we'll see. I, I think Eric Bieniemy. I'll just, I'll just say Eric Bieniemy, and I, I probably should have in every one of these jobs. Eric Bieniemy should have gotten this job. Um, but that's our show for this week, guys. Thanks for checking out the Touchdown Rundown, and we'll be back next week. We'll probably talk about the All Pro teams and maybe go a little bit more in depth on the playoffs. Um, but thanks for tuning in. I'm Tom Swiller, Tony Nometi, and this has been the Touchdown Rundown.